Welcome back to part two of Raising the Bar from the Big Green Q&A podcast. So glad you could make it back. I'm Dan Brown, Strategic Relationship Manager at GQA Qualifications, and returning to my panel today is Martin Sadler of GQA Qualifications, Darren Burford of Al UK, Graham Hackley of Century Facades, and Neville Grunvolt of Waits Group. Now let's delve back in where we left off, where we were discussing the contract awarding process, and we have those questions from the industry, so let's rejoin the conversation. So, my final question here, before we just go on to the three questions that were sent in by the industry. Again, I'm, I'm quoting the Construction Products Association, because a lot of it seems relevant, if I'm honest. And this is from another survey conducted between March and April 2019 across 524 industrial uh, professionals. So, 56% of those surveyed say their their product has been substituted out up to 25% of the time. And 82% say it's due to better performance match or 23% cost. Equally, 41% of product manufacturers say their specification has been substituting out often, with 49% saying that they have been given authority to do so. Now, considering the different gateways we have, in the Building Safety Act, do we see that this will become less and less now that there's an onus more on principal designers, or do you think it's going to continue? It's surely it's going to be harder for someone to change a specification further down the road than it is to get everything right at the beginning. So I just wondered, Neville, have you any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we get a lot of belly aching about specification change. Yeah. We put a lot of effort in, we spoke to the architect, and we we got our product specified fine okay that, that, that's that's cool we get engaged very regularly somewhere between stage two and stage three rebe stage two rebe stage three and the architect sort of feeling the way through from concept to outline design and we're being asked for a bit of advice and we go and we look and we go have you been talking to a particular window curtain wall manufacturer particular passive fire protection, cladding system, roofing system, and we get, no, not really. Uh, and to be fair, there is a lot of cookie-cutter specification on the market. So, uh, Shuka are a, a good example. Sorry, Darren. Uh, Shuka are a good example. They have a lot of effort that they focus on architectural specification. The problem is actually what happens is the architect finds it's easier to get their drawings directly off Shuko's website put them into their own drawings and go, right, well, that's given me a concept. And it's not its not cheating. It's not underhand. The architect is trying to get as detailed a product as they can onto a piece of paper. If they phone Cornea or Raynars or any of the other competition, the chances are that they will send a rep out that will ask lots of questions and then go away and get the right product and come back and give you that. But there's a delay and the architect's on the clock, mm. and their fees are not great, right? So they're rushing. They need to get this moving. They need to get something off and running. So we get a lot of, well, we've gone with SideRise because we worked with them before. We've gone with Shuko because we got it straight off their website. We've gone with Sotec because we worked with them last time on the cladding. Right, okay, cool. That all makes sense. And what happens is it goes out to tender, and we'll go out to the world, and we'll say, right, okay, what do you think? And... Graham, for example, will come back and go, well, actually, I would ex I would suggest that you don't go with that particular product because, and here's a here's a lot of technical reasons why not. And we'll, sw we'll swap. 
what we're going to have to do now is make sure that all those changes are baked in between gateway one, which is the outline planning permission that the uh, client has to go for, and gateway two, where we have to have deposited plans. So we've got to get to the edge of stage 4B, or people often call it stage 5, going into manufacturing drawings. Because at that point, we have to drop a knife on the programme, stop what we're doing, and from October, we'll have to start giving that to the building safety regulator and saying, what do you think? Do you think we're meeting building regs? And they could take 12 weeks to sign it off. Right. At the end of that 12 weeks, they give us the green light. Bingo, we're off and running. We've done nothing in the intervening three months. We haven't been able to. Now, if we get to that point and we decide, actually, we're going to start VEing, if we start changing product that has structural or fire safety implications, and that's an awful lot of products, right? We've got to go back to the HSA or the building safety regulator and get their approval to change. And they can take up to four weeks what they're saying at the moment up to four weeks to sign off on that then we can start procuring it so we've lost about 12 weeks getting through gateway two and then we change we've got to lose another four weeks we're now four months on and we haven't even started procuring our i can't see that happening no i think we will find that a lot of the ve happens before gateway two and when we talk about ve there's two types of ve there's true ve yeah i've got a red cup that holds water that's 100 degrees and it doesn't burn my hand. I've got a blue cup that will hold water that's 100 degrees and doesn't burn my hand. What's the difference? The colour. Not a performance issue. Mm. And the blue one might be slightly cheaper because the paint's just slightly cheaper. It lasts the same, it's perfect. Not a problem. That's true VE. Yep. What we get is pseudo VE, or what we call VE generally, which is knocking the seven shades of snot out the value. Yeah. So we can't afford that product What's the nearest we can get kind of on the performance and get away with? That's got to stop. Yep. And I think most tier ones now are already writing their own rules because I'm talking to our competition. They're talking to us about how we're going to make that work yep. because we're all very keen on making sure we get VE that actually is the red cup and the blue cup rather than we've gone for a Ferrari, but what we've actually done is we've bought a souped-up Mini. Let's see what the best thing we can come up with. There's generally been a lot of this. Not even that sometimes, to be honest, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I think this should finish it all, to be honest with you. Darren, have you any, any thoughts on that? I mean, specification, you've put all that work in up front. You've got the required performance. You've jumped through all the hoops. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've worked on many projects where our specifications have been broken. But as you say, you know, is it, as I say, is it apples for apples? You know what you're what you specify and what we've it would be interesting looking at the other side of that question you're saying how was it 40 some percent saying that they've got specifications broken i wonder how many of those have broken other specifications because i'm sure much as much as similar. yeah much as you have had your specifications broken i'm guessing you've broken specifications yes, the other way around yeah, the other, yeah so definitely. i don't it's... think we're potentially looking at i think the question we should be asking Forgive me for reframing it. Not, are we breaking specifications? Are we breaking specifications and knocking the quality down? That's a different question. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, there were 49% saying that they had authority to do so. Do you think that authority will be less given once they've gone through all the initial design and signing off at Gateway 1? Gateway 2. It'll be Gateway 2 that that, that that authority will be withheld. Yeah. Um, we are putting in stringent um, gateways so internally so that we're actually vetting 
changes that come later in the year. Mm. So if we get a change in a specification, it will have to do a quick round at a very senior level yeah. for sign-off before we even consider moving because it's just it's it's too risky. It's too risky. Let's let's say we've worked with GQA really closely, we've worked with Al UK really closely, and we've got a subcontractor on board who's competent, right? We've got training, it's been third-party accredited, everything's good. Actually, do you know what? We want to go with this other system. And there's plenty of other systems out there. So we're going to ditch the training that you've given. We're going to ditch the training that Darren's given. We're going to ditch the training that we know this subcontractor's put in separately. And we're going to go with an unknown quantity with the cheaper system. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, that's just so many risks all in one big ball of wax. Yeah. Graham? Yeah, um, do, you know, do you know, I was listening really, really carefully for that. I suppose as a facade contractor, it would be easy to imagine um, it's us that willfully change specifications to do whatever we're going to do. Um, I was having a long think about that. And even though, because um, I'm, I'm involved in this day to day, this happens 10% of the time, I'm going to have a purely commercial view. But I think we're a little bit misrepresented there i think as as uh, facade contractors it's actually it's actually my experience um uh, and, I've, and i've underlined it here that trust is key um and i'm really gonna i'm really gonna look at some gentlemen sat beside me from al uk and from weights um if i've got a strike rate of one in 2.5 or i'm nigh on negotiating under a pcsa to complete trust is what is what i'm fighting for because as soon as our oh, UK and weights don't trust me, um, it's a game changer. I've I've lost. I've either lost my ten million pound envelope, or I've certainly lost trust. And so, ninety percent of the time, um, the the reality is is as a company, um, we're going to go straight to product pedigree for that project. And as harsh as it sounds, most of the time, ninety percent of the time, when I see product specifications changed the truth of it was there were agents of sale involved um which are people selling someone else's stuff under license in the uk or alternatively there was an untrained asm who and they influenced a specifier and then two years later it found its way to my desk and so the change was never a willful commercial change it was it was the wrong thing for the job um and you know um, with regard to product pedigree, um, you know, if I'm to maintain trust, if it's if it's a complex facade, particularly if it's tall, I'm going to look at whether it's been used before in the UK. I'm going to look to see if I can visit another project. I'm going to look at the, whether it's got a BBA and why it hasn't got a BBA. I'm going to look at its CWCT testing. I'm going to look at all its testing. I'm going to look at uh, whether or not there's a great technical department and a worthwhile uh, guarantees. And then I'm going to look at, honestly, the great and rigorous training that company has. No training, where are we going with this, which is part of the reason why we're here today about really rigorous product training. And then finally, uh, I'm probably going to look at pre-contract engagement. And I know, you know, you know, Dan, we've worked on projects where, where the product was the right product and everything was right about it. And then both of us have been, you know, frustrated that, that in a way the resources weren't there to back up a complex offer. And it's, and, it, and it's really difficult for everybody involved. And what I tend to find as an envelope contractor is 90% of the time when I'm reporting to Kevin, Kevin absolutely trusts that he's going to hear the truth. What was the truth of that story? He doesn't have time to check that. And also, Darren, you're expecting the truth. You know, you've been named for the project. It's gone all the way through. What is the truth in those areas? Um, 
And I've noticed 90% of the time when the specifications changed, it's changed for the right reason. And actually what had happened was it probably should never have got that far. Real. Okay, so just of course, we, we do have three quick questions here that's being submitted by the industry. Okay, Martin, we have a question from Andrew Mather, who's training a technical manager for Council for Aluminium Building. And he says, why is training important in the construction sector and what benefit does it have for candidates? I think all this, this podcast is what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, training is, is crucial for the industry to make sure that it's doing things correctly to the right standard in the right way. The sad thing is, is that people don't think they need training. And unless it's mandatory, unless they have to do it, people don't do training. We have to make sure that training is applicable, it's enticing people to do it, and it's fit for purpose. So whether you're uh, the security guard on the gate or you're the um, site manager, all points in between, people need training. We need to encourage them to want to take that training. Brilliant. Okay, the next question um, I will let... Well, both Darren and uh, Graham can have a go at this one. This is from John Manell, Technical Officer at Glass and Glazing Federation. He says, how does the panel think the introduction of the building safety regulator will affect competence and demand for competence? Again, I think we've spoke a lot about that, but quick thoughts. Graham? I think, I think we've said today, look, it's a two-tier system. We've got, we've got a range of people and companies, half the industry completely committed to something that a regulator will enforce. And we've got half an industry or less who isn't committed to it, which is why we still end up with problematic cost plans and problematic contracts in my mind. I think that I think the safety regulator, what's going to change perhaps for the better is we're going to have 75 to 90 percent of the industry doing things properly, which means the number of rogue bids we all face um, hopefully will reduce. And then the last question, Neville. Is from George Swan, Skills and Training Lead at the Finishers and Interior Sector. He says, how do we better ingrain and assess competence at the procurement stage to support and reward workforce planning? We've got to start training our QSs on good behaviours. I'm not talking about weights, I'm talking about the industry. Yes. We've got to stop buying the cheapest. We've got to buy the right quality. And quality will drive a good programme. Uh, we can't let we can't let money or program drive us toward the wrong thing. Dead simple. And can I can I add a super quick comment to that? Sure. Um, a bit of, because it was the only thing I wanted to add because I think I think you've made a brilliant point uh, um, about the QSs uh, and and it's this is that every every time we send an organogram and our CVs and all our training matrices and it's not read and it's disregarded it's it's not it's not obvious the impact that has because the individual who's done that was under enormous pressure but here's what happened in that moment in that moment the people who went to the enormous effort of producing it and committing to it were disheartened the second thing that happened is the people who have absolutely no intention and they're camouflaged currently within our industry celebrated that as a success um, and I think we need to I think that we need to look at it in a third-party sense of the consequence of what happens when we don't read the stuff that that people have sent us. Indeed. Well, unfortunately, we have to stop the podcast there. I think we've quite, covered quite a lot <laughs> there, to be honest with you. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for 
uh, both your time and your contribution on a really engaging subject, uh, which is along with sustainability dominating, I think, construction at the moment. So everybody listening, please keep an eye out for the next podcast. It'll be on a different subject. And it will be good to get your thoughts on this one too. So just to close, it's a goodbye from myself. A goodbye from me, Graham. Thank you. A goodbye from me, Darren. And goodbye from me, Martin. And goodbye from me, Neville. From myself, Dan Brown, Strategic Relationship Manager at GQA Qualifications, and my panel of guests today, thank you, and we'll talk again soon.